Welcome, I'm Moshe Ferber. And I am Ariel Munafon. And this is the Silver Lining Podcast, a podcast about security architecture. Hello, everyone. Another episode of Silver Lining. How are you, Moshe? Perfect. Good morning. How are you, Ariel? I'm very good. Thank you. And with us again, <laughs> Shira. How are you, Shira? Hi, guys. Great to be here again. The, the first woman and the first uh, guest that uh, we had uh, for, for, the, uh, for the second time. So... Uh, We are yep. doing good. I knew <laughs> I'm going to be here again soon. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. We talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so last time you were here, you were part of a checkpoint, DOM9. We talked about the Logix, the, the product that you developed for, uh, for uh, DOM9. And now you have your own startup. So tell us a little bit, again, re- remind your audience who you are, <laughs> our audience who you are, and tell us a, bit, a little bit about the startup. Perfect. So uh, as uh, everyone already knows, because they heard uh, the previous <laughs> podcast, uh, I joined DOM9 after my... Uh, military service my very long military service uh, dome 9 got acquired by checkpoint so we then became a part of checkpoint and I kept on developing uh, the log analysis product which was awesome and they're still doing great and doing some awesome uh, research around cloud security I think it is still a very unique research that they're doing um, thanks to to the interaction that I had with a lot of cloud users I came to understand that there are other things problems in the cloud security world that are not being solved today. And I decided to take a leap of faith and to try and solve that. So uh, my co-founder, David, is also one of Dome9's uh, R&D people. And together, we decided to, to dive into that uh, problem that we decided to solve. Mm-hmm. This is also the name of our startup, Solvo. Okay. <laughs> because we are solving <laughs> cloud security problems. Uh, we are strong believers of automation. We know that usually when I send a user to make some kind of decision and then solve it some, in another screen, they will, pro- will probably have an excuse not to do it. They probably need a cigarette or a cup of coffee or they'll leave it to someone else. Uh, so this is where we step in and say, listen, I understand your problems. I understand you're having a hard time to make a decision around your cloud security. Let us take the decision for you and enforce it for you. Mm-hmm. We understand that today, and we're going to talk about it more later, one of the biggest problems is the security configuration. We keep on hearing about misconfiguration problems, and I'm just sick of hearing about them. Let's talk about more awesome problems, APTs in the cloud. Like let, <laughs> Let's talk about the real sexy stuff, not about misconfiguration. So I want to eliminate that to make it disappear automatically uh, and to move on to talk about more awesome stuff. Okay, so, so currently you're the co-founder and CEO for Salvo, yep. uh, which is great. Uh, good luck. Thank uh, you. We are planning to uh, have you <laughs> next time for the exit session. <laughs> for the IPO. <laughs> exactly. Keeping your calendar. Uh, bottom line, so you started mentioning, we are, we are starting to understand cloud security, and uh, we're now understanding that uh, most of the problems is the misconfiguration into on the client side, and we understand that the uh, open bucket is a problem, and leaving SSH keys is a problem. And uh, we are here to talk about identity and access management, which is one of the biggest challenges, because first of all, in the cloud, everything is about identity. I mean, we stop using IP addresses and uh, machine names and stuff like this. Then basically, I love the sentence, identity is the new perimeter. Uh, I've been using it for a couple of years. And um, uh, so let's dive in. 
what is the problem with identity and uh... great so I think that today we're more mature as cloud users if in the past the biggest challenge was oh my god what is this cloud can I trust it I don't know I'm not sure so people are feeling comfortable migrating to the cloud or building cloud native applications and then the security measures they put were security measure measures that belong to the old world to the on-prem world and So they, they handled their security groups, they handled IP addresses, ports, protocols, which is great. It was good for that time. Mm-hmm. But now we're more mature and we understand that the cloud actually has better security capabilities that are built in. I'm not even talking about you know, external services to help us. The, the cloud providers are giving us the IAM, Identity and Access Management, that's supposed to help us do security in a very granular and specific way. Right? So we're not supposed to actually uh, run into open S3 buckets anymore. First of all, because the, the, the S3 bucket UI is really showing us how not to make that mistake. It's even you know, closed, closed by default. In Azure, it's not closed by default. I don't know why. What are they waiting for? AWS learned it. You know, they've earned their bad reputation around it. But why aren't Azure closing it? I have no idea. But there is really no excuse to leave an S3 bucket uh, open. And on top of that, we can add some uh, granular permissions to decide exactly who is allowed to write into the bucket, to delete from the bucket. Uh, can they access all the bucket? Maybe just text files? I don't know. I, we, we can decide around that. So the, the cloud providers are giving us a very powerful tool. And right now is our time to learn how to leverage it and how to use it. Uh, to the extent that we will not have this kind of security problems anymore. There is really no excuse to have those. Okay. So, um, first of all, I, I've been using AWS for quite a while now, and I, I really saw how the dashboard is changing after each breach. <laughs> <laughs> and they added, so in the beginning, they just painted the public buckets in a different color. Then they started sending me emails that I have open buckets. Now it says a big, uh, yeah. I have a big alert. Uh, yeah, so it's really nice to see how this is uh, um, evolving. So, but... but Let's dive in. I mean, what is the problem? I mean, uh, when I used to work with Active Directory, we had domain users and admins, and yep. that was all the granular permissions we had, <laughs> and we live with that. Now, when I open the role management of AWS, I see yeah. 10,000s of roles. Right. Okay. Right. First of all, so today when you build your, your native application, you can decide which component can talk to each component. They're all under your account, inside your VPC. So... You know, in the on-prem, in your data center, all the machines, all the servers could basically talk to one another and you wouldn't filter that. And today you can actually not only filter, but can actually decide who can talk to who. Not all services can talk to each other by, by design, by which, de- is, which is great. Yeah, by design, if you don't give them the right role, they will not talk to each other. That's Even right. But you have inside. to give them a role when mm-hmm. you invoke them. So... Mm-hmm. To begin with, you're going to grant them some security configuration. On top of that, we have you know, third parties and external, different external users, either human beings or external services that sometimes need access to our account. Obviously, we're not going to grant them with permissions, with, you know, with a username and a password into our account. We don't want to give them that kind of power. We can give them a very specific role saying, hello, Mr. I know, Uh, authentication service this is the, the the other service in my AWS account that you can access to and that's it even if I give you an access to my account it's very very specific kind of access 
I'm not even talking or I'm actually talking about the users who are going to give them access because you have your developers, uh, you have different kinds of dev teams. Some of them are offshore, some of them are here, some of them do this application, some of them do that application. They're all working under the same account or not, and then the DevOps and the SRE, and sometimes you have to give access to your, I don't know, finance people. So everyone are getting access to a cloud account and not all users were born equal in the cloud. So mm -hmm. not all of them need the same kind of access. And it is our responsibility not to be lazy and to give them the specific access that they need. You mentioned uh, the S3 bucket before and the Capital One incident. So you, you previously had a very interesting episode about it, uh, which I recommend everyone to, to go back and listen to. Um, just to, you know, to sum up the, the whole Capital One incident, some people talked about uh, WAF mis misconfiguration and application vulnerabilities, which are all true, they happened. But the big damage was caused because someone gave an over-permissive role that allowed access to all the S3 buckets in that account. In a normal uh, and a healthy situation, you would only give access between that web application that you had and the specific S3 bucket it needs access to, to get you know your JavaScript, your images, or whatever. It doesn't need access to all the buckets, right? So why are we giving this access? Now, the developer or the person who gave that access is not a bad person. They were like, hmm, I, I have this application and I need this access. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how to do it. Oh, S3 bucket star, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's working. Nothing broke, the application is working. Let's deploy. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, and, and the application is deployed in QA and then in staging and then in production with those bad security configurations. So this is what we're talking about. And uh, we keep on, uh, you know, uh, giving a bad reputation to the Esther, but this could have happened with the DynamoDB, with mm -hmm. the MongoDB. This could have happened in, in any other cloud yeah, asset. This is important because we're focusing on IAM, which is uh, mostly associated to AWS, and we're mostly talking about S3, but this can happen on every uh, cloud provider. Yes, uh, so it's, on uh, every service. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if it's not IAM, AWS IAM, it's uh, Azure Active Directory permission. So yeah. it, the idea is the same. The idea mm -hmm. and, and the granularity mm -hmm. is the same. Mm -hmm. We can give very, very specific access. So, so this talk, even though we will mention a lot of AWS services, it is true to uh, GCP and Azure as well. Okay. I don't know about Oracle, but... Uh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not too many people. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Uh, but I guess the problem is the same for all the cloud platform, actually. The, the, those platforms are, uh, even though they're trying to uh, distinguish between them, they're very similar at uh, the bottom line. So the problem is that we have so many people accessing the cloud. We have so many services that are accessing cloud. All of them need policies. All of them need roles. And a role is a very... Uh, I mean, a role is a group of permission, but it's not the only thing that makes the permission. You can say this role is applied to this target and uh, you have different kind of policies you can dis uh, de define mm -hmm. it very 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 specifically like mm -hmm. who is the source who is the target is the target all the s3 buckets or a specific bucket mm -hmm. and then you can also you can be super specific like a specific file in the s3 bucket and then you can also be very specific about the action that you can do around it yeah. unfortunately we see too many stars 
in wh- when you look into a, sp- a policy this mm-hmm. is what you see and uh, yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that I mean in my classes I do a lot of the CCSK and CCSPs classes and we build labs and we do a uh, new information and uh, every time we're building our own role but when it comes to the target I tell them put a star in it <laughs> because it's complicated yep. yeah, yeah yeah you can see the structure of course you can also mm-hmm. use the builder right I'm not expecting anyone to go and use the, the free text builder and start you know writing it themselves because they will probably uh, not do it uh, in the best way mm. and it will probably not work but then you have the builder so you ask yourself well why aren't the users using the builder I mean you can be very specific around it uh, and the fact is that if if any one of you will go to the AWS builder then you will see how not fun it is mm-hmm. and how you you actually have to st- stop and think Uh, and ask yourself, wait, is my application writing or, or reading? Is it doing both? Let's give everything. Let's click, let's use all the checkboxes. This right? is the problem, that they, they gave yeah. everything. I mean, I'm not sure. I'll just check everything. Uh, do I need, a, I need to put the specific S3 bucket I need access to? Wait, do I have to go back to a different screen and copy paste the name of my unique bucket? No, I'll just put a star. <laughs> and, and this is how problems begin on the developer. If the developer is, giving, is creating this role, he, he tells him or she tells themselves that this is not really my job, right? I'm not a security engineer. I'm just a developer. And I'm being accountable to, to the good code that I'm writing, not to the cloud infrastructure. I'll just put something here. It's going to work. And then the hero DevSecOps engineers that maybe we have and maybe we don't have in our organizations, they will check it out and they will... They will uh, know what to do. Yes, <laughs> yes. Now, you know, Obviously, most, unfortunately, most organizations don't even have DevSecOps engineers. You usually have your DevOps engineers and you have maybe like one or two uh, security engineers on every uh, 50 developers. So they will never make it to check all, all the security configurations that our developers are creating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 99% of the time, the security configuration that the developer created will make it to production safely. <laughs> Okay, and oh, it's yeah. also the time to tell that it's also you have to do uh, the roles more uh, segregated and more narrow because it makes sense, but also you're obligated because of regulation. All regulation, all law will tell you to use least privileges, check what kind of pri- privileges they give. So you have to do this either because it makes sense or also because That's right. you're obligated. And then you tell the developer, mm-hmm. listen, you have to be least privileged. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I'll go and use the AWS pre-configured roles, right? Because mm-hmm. AWS know what they're doing. And if any one of you will go to the IAM page, to the role page, And, and go for, um, you know, any read-only kind of policy, okay? F- whatever, for a Lambda function, for a DynamoDB, you, you name it. And go and take a look what's inside. You'll be amazed to see what's inside in the read-only. I mean, services you've never heard of are inside, <laughs> allowing s- different actions that you do not want to happen in your environment. And this is a read-only created by AWS, so you assume it's okay. But they are also exploitable. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, I mean, it's better to use them uh, instead of, you know, a super wide role, but they are not least privileged. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we understand the problem. Uh, now let's talk about the solution. And as always, we are trying to focus, when we talk about solution, we're trying to put it into people, process, and uh, technology, the golden triangle uh, stuff. So our problem is 
too many people using too many roles, too much permissions. Uh, when you have too much permissions, you ended up like capital one. How do we solve this? Yeah, so uh, it's hard, but it's not as hard as you would imagine. Uh, today, I think we talk more about developers and DevOps as our, as our end user. Mm -hmm. uh, we also uh, call it today, or you have a new market called B2D, business to developers. So we're seeing more security products that are aimed at developers. Now, this might sound weird to you because developers don't care about security. So why are we creating security products for them? Mm -hmm. And the answer is that you know, the cloud brought us many great things. Uh, one of them is the democratization of IT. So it's no longer held in one person's hands, the, the IT manager. Today, the, the developers themselves, not even the DevOps engineers, the developers can do whatever they want in your infrastructure. So we gave them a lot of power and uh, now it's our responsibility to help them uh, do the right choices using this power. Mm -hmm. But again, we go back to the point where the developer is saying like, I don't care about this. And it's our job to tell them, listen, just like we shifted left the responsibility around IT, we are now shifting left security. So we are holding you accountable for things that you're doing, just like if your application is vulnerable to a SQL injection or SSRF or, you know, you name the attack vector. We're also holding you accountable for any vulnerable infrastructure that you spin up. But because you're accountable, we're also going to help you and equip you with the right tools to help you make the right decision and hopefully do as little damage as possible to the CI-CD process. And if we're now looking at the developer as, as one of the main personas to help us handle the, the security of the infrastructure, we also understand the uniqueness of this kind of user. The developers are not the right customer to get a dashboard. They don't like you sending them to a different interface to log into another system to take a look and see, mm, what is my uh, a PCI compliance score and how can I make it better? No, they don't care about that. All they care about is to move on to deployment and hopefully make it as secure as possible. So it's uh, so the, the solutions that we are creating for developers should also be designed to the way that developers operate. Mm -hmm. you, they don't want you to send them to different interfaces. It has to be integrated into their process with uh, you know, minimal interactions and minimal interference as possible. Okay. Okay. Um, people, process, and technology. Let's talk about uh, people. So in people, we talked about, about the developers and, and mm -hmm. how we can help them. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. In processes, well, first of all, this is also something that I mentioned before. So the process has to be integrated to the CICD smoothly. Uh, um, you know, don't send me to a different interface. Leave me in the, in the systems that I'm using today. If it's Jira, Jenkins, uh, Chef, Whatever it is that you're using, it has to be integrated there. Don't send me somewhere else. I think that we also talked about awareness, mm -hmm. right? So it's not enough for me to go to developer and tell them, bad developer, <laughs> make the infrastructure more secure. No, we have to explain to them why, why their job is so important to security. Sometimes I get to talk to developers telling me, yeah, I use the same role to all my Lambda functions. And I don't blame them. No one ever explained to them how can their Lambda functions be exploited 
to execute other actions they did not intend the Lambda to do. So really, it's not their fault. It's our job as, as security practitioners to help them out. So this is the part of the awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, in the processes, another interesting point is that um, today when we are more, you know, CICD, everything is automated, we should aspire to have um, more testing environments and not only for the uh, functionality of our application, but also for security. Uh, incorporating security into our QA processes is very important, and I think it can also be automated. You don't really have to try a brute force manually. <laughs> you can you have other tools for that, and, and same goes, goes for other you know, attack vectors. We can test them, we can try them out. So it means that your staging environment should probably have very close and preferably uh, the same security configuration as your production because mm -hmm. you you don't want to test for security in production for the first time yeah. uh so so for anyone listening to us right now i strongly recommend trying to clone and make them as identical as possible i know it's like utopia it will probably mm -hmm. never happen but try to have them as as similar as possible for your own sake, for the security testing. Yeah, well, our last conversation was with a DevOps, uh, previous episode was with a DevOps engineer. It's also is uh, keep uh, elaborating how you should keep your uh, your environment identical because otherwise you'll run into so many bugs. It will break your pipeline. Uh, yeah, so this is very important. So we talked about people, talk about process, technology. Um, so there are different technologies to to do that. I think there are some security solutions uh, that are focused on the production environment, uh, looking for problems in the production. Um, but if you have good good testing, why test in production? Go and test, you know, the the other environments, the QA or the staging, or create a, a security testing environment or whatever. You don't have to uh, do it, and I strongly recommend looking at production. It's not even the last line of defense. This is the safest castle you should ever have this this should never be the place where people try you out mm -hmm. let the hackers try you know the other environments not the production uh, so i don't want to even look at it as as the last line of defense you should try it out before uh, and 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 as i mentioned there are different technologies and different products to do that we can even recommend a couple of open source tools that that i i i recommend people to use uh, one of them is a tool that was created by Netflix, who are always, you know, in reInvent conferences, are always on the stage uh, talking about security in such a large organization and how they do it and how they automate it. So they they created an open source tool, which is on GitHub, and anyone can can try try it out. It's called Kid Repo. It is checking your IAM uh, files and looking for permissions that are unnecessary that you gave. Um, it's a great tool to use. It's free, of course, and it's usually more than what other people would use. Now, I know what you want to ask me. You want to ask <laughs> me, what is the disadvantage or what are we, what uh, are we missing here? And also, how does it know uh, what have you used? I mean, is it lo looking for logs, CloudTrail? I mean, right, what is the right, mechanism? right. It is mm. based on CloudTrail. Mm. Uh, it, it has, you know, pros and cons. The biggest con, in my opinion, is the fact that wh whenever you rely on logs, you rely on the past and you rely on actions that left a trail because they're in CloudTrail. Mm. So you, 
you're in production, you're live, some action had happened, the, crea the, the action created the log, the log then was streamed, and it was analyzed by whatever, you know, anal analysis tool that you're using. So first of all, there is, you know, a certain time it took for your detection system to find it, if it ever, you know, if it hit any threshold and, and it was detected, and then you have to respond. So this is a very long time for us to, to respond to something. And, and already you're in a bad position because you're in an, you know, an incident response or, or whatever. Like this is, this is a bad place to be at. So basically I don't recommend relying on only on, on logging and responding kind of mechanism. But I think that this tool is a great start for people who are not using anything to, to find any excessive permissions. It's a great start. But again, the disadvantage is that you are responding. You are not, you know, it's not, you're not secured by design. You first of all deploy with probably excessive permissions and then wait for this tool to detect uh, uh, whichever uh, permissions that are excessive. And then you as a user also have to go and modify uh, the security configuration to be least privileged. And you know, users are sometimes all the time lazy and yeah. <laughs> we can't trust them to do it. I, I have a long history with using logs as a deny uh, policies. And uh, at a certain point, we implemented the proxy, a URL filtering proxy inside the company. So we, t we told all the employees they have one week to browse to the website. And after that, we take the list and we make it the allow list. And of course, this week they used to to serve to any porn site <laughs> available. <laughs> so we took all the all the logs and we created <laughs> it was an amazing list of what you shouldn't browse into, <laughs> not an allow list. <laughs> uh, another yeah. tool we can recommend is called CFN NAG. We, mm -hmm. we can write it to our uh, audience later yeah. and they can try it out in GitHub as well. This tool checks your cloud formation templates and is also looking for excessive permissions. Like if you're using a lot of, you know, stars and, and admin and uh, writing hard coding uh, uh, permissions and, and keys and so on. So this tool is also checking for that. I know that a lot of us are using CloudFormation template because it's great and it's the right way to do infrastructure, but this should not be a loophole for people to, to give excessive permissions. I know that most of us don't, you know, do a code analysis for these kind of files, even though, you know, we're moving that way and I think it's great. So here's an open source tool for, for users to try. Um, it's free and again, it's better. It's probably better than what you're doing today. Mm -hmm. so the problem, I guess, is I guess it's checking against some kind of best practices. I mean, it's nothing about my environment, right? This uh, is very, very yeah. true. This is another mm -hmm. great point because um, most of the solutions today, either, either free or paid ones, usually check you against a static set of rules. Mm -hmm. Again, it's probably better than whatever the, the, the average developer would do. So I'm not saying don't use these tools, but they're not specific to your environment and your needs. Mm -hmm. Usually a, a bank's needs are not the same as an yeah. e-commerce website. Uh, they, they have, you know, their infrastructure is different. Their usability is different. It, hap it could happen that you have an S3 bucket that is not encrypted. It's okay. I, in, in a certain configuration, in a certain architecture, I can see it happening. I'm not saying it's a bad thing specifically or necessarily, but if, if those hard-coded rules are going to tell me, hey, you need to encrypt a bucket, 
uh, and they putting it like in red, this is a severe alert. You know, as an end user, I'm saying like, come on, you're bothering me right now. And I don't want to look at this alert and the other 200 alerts that you sent me mm-hmm. because you're wasting my time because you're not specific to my environment and to my needs. And uh, I understand the user's pain. They, they, they only have two, two, uh, like uh, 24 hours a day. And they don't want to spend them dismissing alerts that are not relevant yeah. to their environment. Yeah. Again, going back uh, at my uh, previous days, uh, I was around. I was doing a lot of identity management product around 2005-2006, where the SOX regulation came in, mm-hmm. service and audit regulation. And suddenly, we started getting audits from uh, auditors, mm-hmm. and he's coming over and saying, "Okay, this is the segregation of duties. This is um, this is where th- those permissions should not be at the same person." Now they came la- with a nice list that. It matches, I guess, one of the largest banks in the world where you have uh, one person that is doing uh, moving this pen from the left and another different person is moving this pen to the right. But where the organization I work with, there was the same person that used to do all the, uh, for instance, acquisitions and purchasing. Uh, th- 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 there was no ability to segregate a team unless I cut him in half. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the problem of using some kind of predefined rule list that doesn't match anything to do with your yeah. business. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're moving from that into more adaptive products. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, you know, a few new realities here. We talked about the fact that the security is shifting left to the developers. So they are now being responsible for security, even though no one told them that they're responsible. Uh, But this is how it happens. And then, you know, we have this really strong tool, the IAM, super granular and we can definitely and we have to use it uh, and the fact that you know we have to understand the user the developer does not want to waste their time going to a dashboard and making a decision they, they don't feel comfortable making that decision and and from all of these you know realities uh, and understanding the end user and understanding the problem we came up with our product with solvo's product mm-hmm. uh, we shift to the left but then we don't make the the developer uh, go to a different interface and ask them annoying questions. We understand that they don't they they want the change to happen. They want to deliver a better product from the security perspective, but they don't have the right tools and and the right armor to do it. So we we enable that for them and we empower them by that way. We give them this tool uh, to use and then to deliver good product from from the infrastructure security perspective. Okay, and all, all, all these things, uh, if we talk about the DevOps and the pipeline, it's something that uh, goes together? Uh, who makes the decision here? It's a great question. I, whenever I talk to users, I ask them, what happens in your organization? And mm. I get different answers because in different organizations, the, the DevOps is the king uh, and they're in a different department. And in other organizations, which I, I prefer, the DevOps is either a part of the dev team, so it, the dev team has a DevOps that is a part of the team, or the developer is actually held accountable for the infrastructure. One organization that I talked to, they were the first ones actually to, to direct me into that problem. They told me that their policy is you build it, you run it. Mm-hmm. So the developer is responsible for their code and for their infrastructure, and if something breaks in the middle of the night, the developer will get the phone call saying yeah. that there is some kind of problem. It's not the DevOps or the other, like the random on-call person. The developer who is responsible for, for that component will get a phone call. Okay, so it's really depend on, on the company, on the yeah. on the culture. Yeah. 
Okay, so moving on to summarizing. Yes. Okay, so we talked about the fact that identity and access management is today is most effective security tool inside the cloud. I mean, no more open ports, IP addresses, everything is about permissions and, ident and, and your identity. And the problem is that we have so much of those. We have so many policies, roles, different users, di different service can have the same, uh, it's the same service, but you can use different permissions if he's writing, if he's reading, and different uh, different operations. Uh, so we have so many of those. And the problem is developers and DevOps, they have no idea which, which kind of role to use, and they, don't, uh, and they usually do over permissions, right? Because the current way that all cloud provider build the roles is a bit excessive. I mean, uh, not true for all roles, not true for all operations, but in most cases you find yourself with uh, over permissions. So this is the problem and it's a big problem as we see at many different breaches that started from over permissions. What do you do to solve this? Um, from the people angle, developer are the king. Uh, f first of all, in general, you said move things to the left, okay? This is the most important uh, thing. You need to solve this from the beginning. So from the people uh, point of view, you're saying developers are uh, king, don't touch them. Uh, we need to give them what they need in their own environment, no new tools. Don't give them decisions to make. Give them, uh, give them the decision, give them the data. Um, know your audience, okay? Uh, from the process point of view, you're saying uh, this should be a simple process, no extra login. Make sure that all your environments are matching, right? Because uh, if you uh, if you make mistake in one, uh, you will not. You will uh, drag it to drag all it the to, way to production. Mm-hmm. Um, and also from the technology point of view, you're saying there are tools that uh, will uh, help you uh, check your permissions against what happened, against mm -hmm. the logs. They have their own pros and cons. It's more accurate, but you could be missing something or you could be taking over permissions as uh, my uh, proxy example, or you could have tools that are uh, checking you against some static uh, best practices, some, uh, static uh, permission list, static uh, regulation uh, instructions. And over here, again, you're missing something because not all, uh, not all organizations are created equal and all of them need something else. So you need basically a combination of all three. You need to check the logs, you need to have some kind of static rules. Also, you need to understand exactly how your application is behaving and uh, make sure that you also uh, I want to emphasize this. It's not only the role. It's also the target. It's uh, mm -hmm. where this role is applied to. Yep. It's also who is the source. I mean, who do you attach this role to? I mean, we have so many aspects of this identity in access management. Anything you missed? Anything you want to add? No, I think you summed up everything perfectly. And I, th I hope that our security uh, culture will get better. Uh, and that everyone along the line from uh, the developer, starting the design process all the way to production, we will all adapt better security culture. Okay, this is uh, something that uh, keeps coming in our, <laughs> in our uh, podcast. Uh, if someone wants to talk to you, uh, Shira, about uh, Solvo. Uh, yeah, please reach out on Twitter, on LinkedIn, uh, or, you know, with a bird or something. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Shira. Thank you very yeah. much and talk to you really, really soon. Yeah, thank you very yeah, much. At your IPO, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we will be there. <laughs> okay, so thank you very thank much, you. Shira and uh, Moshe, and uh, thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.